0: I'd like to share something, something the Lord spoke to me really heavy uh, on Sunday, right before we jump into this text, Um, a real quick word in this time, which I know for many families and for many people uh, in the church, it's going to be a hard time, and it maybe already is a hard time. Many people are losing jobs. And um, many people are struggling financially with just all kinds of stuff, money and issues. And I want to give you the answer. I want to give you the answer and the hope to this, something that was revealed to me and something you're probably not expecting. The answer... Hold on just one sec. Money, when times are getting tough financially... The answer, the key, is to tithe. Malachi chapter 3, God says, test me in this and see if I won't pour out the floodgates of heaven. Open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing upon you which you cannot even hold. There's a picture of this in First Kings chapter 17. I want you to turn there real quick. First Kings 17. 1 Kings 17, starting in verse 7. Mm -hmm. Are you there? It says in verse 7, It came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Do you see that? There's no rain in the land. The brook has dried up. There's no water. Nothing to drink. There's a famine in the land. And verse 8, And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee, to Zarephath, which belonged to Zidon, and dwell there. And behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. Speaking of Elijah. So he rose up, and he went to Zarephath. And when he had come to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And her called to, and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. So Elijah is not able to drink. Well, because all the water is dry up, he's thirsty. There's nothing to drink. He's going to die. God says, go to this city. You're going to find a woman who's going to give you a drink of water. So he tells her, give me a drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he also called to her. And he said in verse 11, bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, as the Lord thy God lives, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal and a barrel and a little oil and a And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. Okay, so Elijah goes, hey, can you go get me some water? And she's like, okay, I'll go get you some water. And he's like, okay, hey, hey, as she's about to run off, he says, hey, wait up, can you go get me a cake as well? Just something small to eat. And she says, as she's about to uh run off she says as the lord lives i have not cake i just got a handful of meal and a little bit of oil and i'm basically just going to cook this last meal and me and my son are going to die because there's nothing else for us to eat and look at verse 13 and elijah said unto her fear not go and do as thou hast said but make me a little cake first and bring it to me and after make for thee and for thy son so he said wait woman please you go and cook for your son for me first please Bring me the cake first. Sounds selfish, huh? But there's a principle here. It says, you do it for me first, and then you go and bake for your son and for yourself. And look at verse 14. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days, or if you look in your King James Version Bible there in the margin, it says a full year. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruse of oil faint according to the word of the Lord which Elijah had spoke. Did you see that? Elijah says, go and make a cake for me first, and bring me water, and then for you and your son, and God will sustain you. And God did sustain. as she went to go, all of a sudden she goes and she makes that meal thinking that probably I I could see her like this. She has a handful of grain, right, of of, of something to make some cake. And and maybe just a little bit of oil, like this much. And maybe she only wants to dump in half just for Elijah. And she accidentally dumps like three quarters. And she's like, oh, no, I'm not going to have much more left. And she goes and she dumps the oil. Maybe she dumps too much. And there comes the cake. She's like, oh, man, like... Okay, I, I gotta bring. I'll just bring it to Elijah. I guess me and my son are gonna die. We're not gonna be able to have our meal. But then, for some reason, she decides to say, "You know what? I'm just gonna make a little bit for my son, and I just won't eat." She looks in the barrel, and she grabs, and there's one handful. And she puts it in there, and she sees a little bit of oil, and she starts to pour, and for some reason, it keeps pouring. All of a sudden she makes that meal and she's like, you know, well, I, got a, I guess I got a little bit of grain left for me. I can make some. She goes, and dips in. And there's another handful of meal. And she puts it there and she cooks for herself. And she runs out to Elijah. Elijah, just as you said. Here's your cake and look, me and my son get to eat too. And woman, you're not going to die. And she goes back home and there she goes and puts her hand in and makes all for her family and keeps pulling in the barrel and keeps pulling in. Why? Because she gave to God first. She gave to God first and God provided as He has promised. When times are hard and you don't have anything, give to God. It takes faith, doesn't it? A lot of faith, huh? Like, oh snap, uh, I really don't have, Lord, I only have like 20 bucks in the account. And I haven't tithed. And you want me to tithe this? Yes. Do you trust me? Do you believe that I'm going to pull through for you in a powerful way? Man, I've got to ask this question to myself all the time with the Lord. And I'm telling you, it is the secret to being provided for. Seek first the kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. What things? Remember in Matthew chapter 6? Don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, and what you're going to wear. And there at the end of Matthew chapter 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all these things will be added unto you. Put first the kingdom of God. Listen to this. You will never regret what you choose to give to the Lord. You will never regret it. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. If you love, you will give, bottom line. D.L. Moody said, Don't show me your journal or your prayer book to show me where your walk is with God. Show me your checkbook. If you can't be entrusted with money, why would God trust you with his kingdom? You can't outgive God, family. You cannot. And I challenge us here in this room, who are you going to give to? Not me. Wherever you go to church, you need to give. You see, I can, I can speak really boldly on this kind of topic because I don't receive any money from you. You need to give wholeheartedly unto God. And you will be blessed. Want to know how I tithe? I go to Father and say, Father, how much do you want me to give? And it is, it's not 10%. Um, I remember Corson told me in the desert, don't be legalistic about your giving. 10% is the bare minimum. That's what the bare minimum Christian gives. He said, let God reveal to you. Be spirit-led on how much you give. Some days you'll give twelve percent, others you'll give twenty, and some you'll give thirty. A man named Francis Chan, a pastor, gives fifty percent. That I know. You know Quaker Oats, oatmeal. He gave ninety percent. Ninety. You give to God, and He will pour out. You think God is joking? You think he's like messing around up there in heaven, like, yeah, hey, if you give, I'll you know, I'll hook you up. When he says he's gonna open the floodgates of heaven upon your life, then you better watch out. I also read yesterday as we're gonna open into the Psalms, actually a couple of days ago, I'm sorry, but go ahead and open in the Psalms. You can look with me as we open and get into our text. Look at Psalm one twelve, just a couple of days ago.
1: Mmm, yes.
0: Oh, yeah. The scriptures are so sweet. Sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. Yes. They taste better than honey. Mm Mm-hmm. Here in Psalm 12, when I read this, it is a blessing in my heart. Psalm 112, verses 1 and 2. You see this here? In verse 3. Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delight greatly in his commands. His seed shall be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endureth forever. My question to you is, have you ever seen... A righteous man that sits before God. A person who delights in the commands of the Lord. Have you ever seen them in need? Ever seen them in a place basically where God does not pull through in their life? Nope. Never seen that. God is going to pull through. And the men that I look at that are very righteous before God and walk with God and close to God, They are far, far from not being blessed. They are blessed. And I just see this promise in here. Did you see that? Blessed are the upright and the ones that delight in the commands of the Lord. It's something that you can rest in. It even says that his seed shall be mighty upon the earth. Know this, the one who lives and walks with God. It's going to be blessed all their days, and their family, their seed will be blessed. It is a sweet, powerful promise to take in. And in this time, in this day and age, you don't have to worry. You don't have to worry and wonder where the money's going to come from, or how you're going to work that out, or how you're going to work this out. You don't have to, because God has promised it to you. And so you don't have to worry. And so if you're struggling, give. The kingdom's backwards, isn't it? People think when they're struggling, they got to save every single dime and penny, and I got to pull it all in, and I better cut back on half my tithes because hey, well, we need the money. That sounds practical, but the kingdom is not practical. If the kingdom was practical, your dog would get into heaven and you wouldn't, because your dog's faithful, huh? And you're not. Yes, the kingdom is not practical. It's backwards. It's upside down and inside out. Jesus said if you want to save your life, you got to what? Huh? Lose your life to save it. Why? Wow. You want to be rich? You want to be blessed? You're not necessarily with money. But a rich man I don't think is considered a person with a lot of money. Because there's a lot of people here on the earth with a lot of money, and they sure don't look rich. They look bummed. You invest in God, and he will invest in you, and you'll be blessed. Test God in this, I dare you. God says there's only one thing in the Bible you can test me in, and that's it. One thing, and watch and see if I won't dump from the windows of heaven. And I'm telling you, for years, I have, I mean for years, literally, I have only made enough to pay my bills, that's it. Just to the point. It's like that's not included. It's like I, my bills are more than I make many times. And I don't know. I don't know how it works. But things always happen and God has always blessed me. I'm taking care of, man, bottom line. No, Josh, you make good money. I'll show you my paycheck. God takes care of me in a supernatural way. I remember when I was first working at the church... Basically, was making something like seven or eight dollars an hour, and uh, I was on my own. My rent was five or six hundred dollars a month. Now, I only brought in like a thousand dollars a month, okay? And my rent was like, yeah, like well, that's including utilities, six hundred bucks. So, well, there you go. You now try to live off the rest of that when you have like a cell phone bill, you have insurance for your car, and then you make a payment on your car and then gas. And then, uh, those of you who you know haven't been on your own completely, I'm telling you, it's the craziest thing. You actually got to pay for stuff. And It's no joke. You've really got to pay. And um, God sustained and powerful people would walk up and hand me cash out of nowhere. The word of the Lord just told me to give you this. I'm like, what? I don't even know you crazy the crazy and i'm sure you've heard lots of crazy stories but i'm telling you family if you want to test god in anything test him in this when the bills are doing things are racked up i give more so when i look at the bank account and say okay oh oh finances you want to fight okay you want to box a little bit you're going down watch this watch this i'm going to do something completely radical i'm just going to give all this to the lord now what now what there you go now what are you going to do And the Lord pulls her in a miraculous way, honestly. Um, A buddy was asking me the question, Josh, if you have a bill to pay um, and you have to tithe, what what should you do? Tithe. So what you're saying is I should go into debt. Isn't that sin? It is sin for you not to give to God first. You give to God first and he will take care of the rest. Yes. I watch my dad over and over and over. We don't have enough money to pay the rent, but we're going to tie it. I just think to myself, like, oh, Father, please. You give to God first. That takes a lot of faith, man. That's the real stuff. That's the purest substance right there. And you can give your pocketbook. God's got your heart. Mm-hmm. Because you got to live on that every day, huh? You need that. Whether you say you love money or you don't. You probably don't, but you probably hate it. But you got to use it every day, and so it's a difficult thing to deal with. But I'm telling you, family, you give to God, He will bless you. Don't give to me. Give to God. He will bless you. I don't like the way the church is doing things. You're not giving to the church. Give to God. Yeah, but the church is going to take the money. Hey, if they spend it wrong, the blood's on their head. It's on their hands. You have to give to God. He has commanded you to. And if you don't, just like it says in Malachi, there will be holes in your pockets and it will fall out and you will never be satisfied and you will always struggle for the rest of your life. It's up to you. We are in Psalm chapter 14 tonight. Only eight verses. Eight verses. That's why I took time on other things because literally I don't even know what we're going to talk about tonight. It's like this one big point. It's this one big point. We don't know where the psalm is coming from. We don't know exactly who wrote this. Um, but the psalmist is is writing about, he's kind of writing this song. It seems like this um, build-up. You know what, what a build-up is, those of you who have, yes, yes, that's exactly it. That's what every musician knows when this happens, that's build-up. Um, Those of you who don't know who are tone deaf and don't have a note in your body. (laughs) It's okay. That's okay. Remember we talked about uh, making a joyful noise unto the Lord just a couple weeks ago? You're good. You're good, all right? Um, It seems like a build-up because he starts talking and and he begs a couple questions and it's like really quiet. Then all of a sudden it just breaks forth. Like, bam! Like the answer to everything that he's been questioning and, and begging an answer for it just comes through in a powerful way so it's like a build-up is this it, like starts off like quiet like sometimes a lot of times it'll start off like with either piano or and maybe just a little bit of acoustic really quiet it's really quiet it's really quiet all of a sudden you hear a lead part come in and it's like all eerie and it's kind of weird and it's like whoa this is crazy and it starts to get louder and louder. Do, 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 do. You know, the drum, and that guitar is louder and louder and louder. And all of a sudden, he starts hitting the cymbal, and it just erupts. Bam! You know, and the whole thing just explodes. And, like, you're at the concert, and you're just going nuts because it's your favorite part. You know what I'm talking about? All right? You know what I'm talking about? Okay. Um but that's what this song kind of sounds like to me in my ears. It kinda of seems like. And so let's just let's just dive right into it. There's really nothing to no, no foundation to lay. We're just gonna read it, okay? It says in verse one there of Psalm one hundred and fourteen When Israel went out of Egypt, the house of Jacob, from a people of strange language Judah was his sanctuary and Israel his dominion. Okay, so when Israel left Egypt, the house of Jacob, a people of strange language, when they had left Egypt, that remember, you know the story. You've seen the movies. You've seen the Ten Commandments. You know what it looks like. Israel left Egypt. Remember, let my people go and all that. And he's like, no, I'm not going to let your people go. And Moses like, you better. And bam, he struck the waters and blood and you know, the, the flies and frogs and you name it. Everything came. Plagues on Egypt and then what? All right, get them out of here. Get them out of here. Because remember, the firstborn was killed. Angel of the Lord came and slayed uh, the firstborn there in Egypt. And so finally they're released and they're let go. And so that's what this is speaking about. Israel went out of Egypt. The exodus. Exit. Exit, to leave. The exodus. And the house of Jacob from a people of strange language. Yeah, they were a different language, that's for sure. And Judah was his sanctuary. The word Judah means praise. Interesting to know. Praise was his sanctuary. And governed by God. Israel, the word Israel means what? Governed by God. His dominion. And verse 3, look at it. The sea saw it and fled. Saw what? The people leaving Egypt. What sea? The Red Sea the sea saw it and fled that's an interesting perspective isn't it I love the way the King James puts it the sea saw the people coming Israel looked at him and fled ran it's like almost like father was just like up there in heaven and he's like listen up hey uh, Red Sea you there yeah check here I'm here okay when the people come you're going to leave okay well, how am I going to know when they're coming? You'll see them. You'll see them. Okay. So Red Sea is in position. The people are coming. And Ghan already has, has it planned out, right? He already knows what's going to happen. He's got it planned out. Red Sea knows it's going to flee. But what happens? What happens? The Egyptians start coming and the Israelites freak out, huh? Oh, no. Oh, no. And and I, I read even there in Exodus, they actually grab their pots and, and kitchenware or something like that is if they're going to do something. <laughs> as if they're going to, like, fight against the Egyptians, barreling down in chariots with swords. You know, it's like, I got my I can see my grandma, you know, with her, like, old pot in her hand. Like, I'm going to knock some. Oh, father. Anyways, um, so that's what happens. Um, the Egyptians are coming. Israel is freaking out. Moses is standing there calm because he knows the Lord's going to pull through. And the Red Sea already knows what it's going to do. It's just waiting for Moses to lift its hand. Lift his hand. And so that's exactly what happens. It says the sea saw it and fled. Saw the Exodus, saw them leave and fled. And Jordan was driven back as well. Mm. Yes. If you didn't know, you'll know now that just as the Red Sea was taken back, remember Moses there, Raise his hand. And the Red Sea was pulled back. And I don't, Does anybody know how long it took to walk through the Red Sea? It was a long time, I know. Anybody? Bible students, come on. Anybody know how long it took for them to walk through the Red Sea? It took it look, took like a day and a night or something, or a couple of days. I can't remember. Justin? I can't remember. Anyways, it took a while. And they walked through. And... Uh, can you imagine, I mean, you can't even imagine, but it just must have been the freakiest, craziest thing you've ever seen in your life. I mean, it's scary to go in the ocean and to look down, you know, into just nothing. But what if you were at the bottom of that? I've been in the Red Sea. I've swam there and scooped. well, not scuba, yeah. I kind of scuba dive. No, I, I snorkeled. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um... There is all kinds of reef there. The Red Sea and Australia are supposed to be the two primo places on the face of the earth to snorkel, to dive, to scuba, all that. And um, there's some fascinating stuff going on there. I can't even imagine what they saw uh, down there. You know, I mean, God was holding it back, but was there like crabs walking around the bottom? There's a lobster. You know, it's like, "Mm, Dan, I'm taking this with. No, actually, they're not allowed to eat that stuff, remember? God said no. No, that hasn't come yet, so they can't eat it. They can't eat it. Okay, basically, they're walking through the Red Sea and get to the other side, and they wander for a long time. Remember how, how long? Forty years. And interesting to note that God sustained them, that their clothes did not tear, nor did their shoes wear down. Can you imagine walking in the same shoes for forty years? Man, how long have you had those Nikes? Forty years. <laughs> It's a long time. Still look pretty good, man. How'd you do that? And the Lord was upon those Nikes, and uh, many people got through. But if you didn't know, when Joshua took over, when Moses led the people in a big circle for 40 years, um, he passed the baton on to a man named Joshua. And Joshua was to take over, yes, the leading of the people. And to lead them into the promised land. Do you remember? Moses was not allowed to go into the promised land. God forbid him. Because what? He struck the rock. Do you remember? He was to speak to the rock. And what did he do? He struck the rock. He was ticked off of the people. And um, he he, he hit the rock. And so God said, you misrepresented me in front of the people. And, um, you know, Moses was the meekest man to ever walk the earth. And the honor and the adoration and respect that the people probably had for Moses was absolutely amazing. Even though they complained all the time, even though they were upset many times with him, he was the face of God, basically. He was the friend of God. And he misrepresented the king. And that is a quick lesson for each one of us. Be very, very, very careful. If you are in any position anywhere, And people are looking to you as the Christian. You misrepresent God. Be
1: very careful.
0: This is a big deal. God is very, very uh, serious about his glory and his image, the way people are viewing and seeing. When one of his people misrepresent, it is a big deal. That's why I feel really bad for the guys who stand on the corner and yell, you're going to hell and God hates you and all this stuff. It's like, well, um, it very meant what may well be that that person may go to hell, and God does hate the wicked, and um, God may just do that. But I don't know if you're the man to be saying that, and you better be very careful. I think God can speak for himself on some issues. And uh, if you think that you know, um, but you're wrong, you're in big trouble, be very careful to tell somebody you're not saved, um, unless they tell you. Basically, I do not follow Jesus Christ. Absolutely not. It's obvious. Be very careful to look into a person's life and say, you're not saved. You're not going to heaven. Careful. Careful. Uh, You're allowed to judge the fruits of a Christian. Christian. But be careful to judge their salvation. Mm -hmm. Be very careful. Because we do not want to misrepresent God. Moses did just that. And that's why he's not able to enter into the promised land. And that's why he passes the baton on to Joshua. And Joshua now leads them into the promised land. Now, next to the promised land, Israel, there is the Jordan River right alongside. It's like if this was Israel, right alongside the uh, this long piece of land is the Jordan River. And uh, also the Dead Sea. And the Jordan River is what, what they cross to get into the promised land. How did they cross it? The same thing that happened with the Red Sea happened with the Jordan River. I just read about it. It's a powerful thing. The priests had the Ark of the Covenant on their back, and they walk into the water. And as soon as their ankles, all of the priests get in there, and as soon as their ankles touch the water, the water starts to part and is pulled back. Amazing. God stops the waters there again to do what? To show the people that the same power that was with Moses is with Joshua. And the people knew that day. People knew that day that God was with Joshua in the same way that he was with Moses. And Joshua was able to lead them into the promised land. And so that's what it's speaking about here. The sea saw it and fled back and the Jordan was driven back. The mountains skipped like rams and the little hills like lambs. Um, I don't know what that means exactly. Um, The mountains skipped I don't know. I don't know. Um, It's very difficult to tell what it's talking about, the mountains skipping, like a ram skips. Have you seen a ram skip? Um, I'm not going to do a demonstration right now. (laughs) And uh, I'm not going to show you how the little hills, like the lambs, whatever that means. I don't know how the little lambs move, and I'm not going to do that for you either. Basically, that's what happened to the hills and the mountains. And I think what it shows is, I don't know if the presence of the Lord came in such a powerful way that when it was cut off, that the ground shook or the mountains shook or something powerful happened. Um, But when God shows up, stuff's going to go down, bottom line. Stuff's going to happen. The king of all the universe shows up. It's like if if Jesus himself came and stood in this room, I, I... Wouldn't be surprised if all the bushes outside just started bowing down, you know, and the trees just fell over. It's like, dude, there is the king of all creation. There is the one, there is my king as well, the bush says, and the Red Sea says. I loved walking in Mexico and looking at the cows and saying, has the Lord been by here? Because they know. The horses know. They really do. They know who he is. He's the king of kings, man. He... All things were created by him and what for him. All things created by him and for him. So, verse five. What ailed thee, O thou sea, that thou fledest, thou Jordan, that you that thou wasn't driven back? Was this? I'm sorry, driven back. Now the psalmist looks at the Red Sea or looks back upon the Red Sea and says, Why did you flee? Why did you run? What are you scared of, you mountains that did skip like rams and you heels like the rams the, the, the lambs with a question mark, what's the deal? Here it is the build up uh-huh tremble thou earth at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of God, the God of Jacob, which turneth or turn the rock into a standing water, the flint into a fountain of rivers. And that's it. He starts there laying a foundation of what every single Jew knows about, the Red Sea and definitely the crossing of the Jordan. And then he asks the Red Sea, hey, why did you flee? Why did you run? And Jordan, river, why did you run? Why did you pull back? And mountains, why did you shake? Why were you skipping around all scared? And you hills, what, what's the deal? Why are you being like lambs? Guitar starts strumming in all strong. Cymbals start to come. Everybody starts to lead guitar. It's just coming in as strong as you can get it to come in. And bam, the explosion happens. Tremble, O earth. Tremble. You know, I think it's something that the earth, uh, well, maybe not the earth lacks in, but definitely the people of the earth lack quite a bit in. is what, Josh. Yes, tremble, thou earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of God, of Jacob. Um, even we as Christians, we as people who seek God, I don't know if we have as much adoration and respect and honor as the Muslims do for their God. And they bow five times a day to their God. How many times did you bow to your Father today? You see, there's something wrong here. If the mountains shake when He comes... If the rivers run when He comes, His presence, they're scared. It's the King, man. They, they they bow. What is going on with us? Do we tremble in the presence of the Lord? Now Now, there's a balance here. Because we know that we can enter into the throne of grace, can't we? Because of the veil which has been ripped. And now we have freedom and liberty to come into the throne room of God. But... Even so, you have that liberty to walk into God's throne room, but wait a minute, there needs to be respect for the King. There needs to be honor, great honor. And when I discovered grace, basically, I kind of like threw the whole honor and respect thing just out completely with my relationship with God. It's like, oh man, I'm free. I'm just, You know, I'm just, I'm free, man. God has freed me and and He's forgiven me and man, I just get to kind of dance around like Little lamb. Just do whatever I want. But what we need to understand, family, is this. It's kind of like this. I think the Jews, I see it clear in their eyes. The Jewish nation are what? They're like a bunch of PKs. Did you know that? Pastor's kids. Because look, do they respect their God? But that's his people, huh? Those are his kids. And they don't give a rip. And a lot of times you'll notice when people come to Jesus right Right there at the beginning of their walk with God, man, the reverence is absolutely amazing, isn't it? And the adoration unto God is, I mean, just crazy to see the way that they respect and honor and lift up the king and worship before him, bow down before him. they radical for the Lord. Someone like says a blasphemy of God around them, maybe GD or something like this, like, whoa, 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 whoa. Are you crazy? You know, it's like, you, you're, you're just blaspheming God, man. What are you doing? You don't do that. Somebody cussed, I mean, out of my ears, man. Don't be doing that. I just remember back in my, I mean, just how radical. You know, I'm, listen to this. I, I really used to be a crazy in high school. I was just radical. You know, I just went too far. Uh, but I just I did foolish things for the Lord, but I just it was awesome and I was just reminded of a of a guy who just did something crazy, and I love this, but his respect and his um, view on God is so, it just it 's it's, it's really deafening when you look at it, it just it 's a beautiful thing he did this he's a senior this year i 'm not going to say who it is or where he goes to school. I can't even believe this. In his fifth period, there's a teacher who was basically was no on uh, Proposition 8. This is the whole marriage thing. And basically for um, same-sex marriage. And um, this, this guy, uh, that was just a little skirmish that I guess he had had in class because he was really downing people who were yes on it and all this stuff. And so he just stood up and said, I'm yes on it. Spoke out, like, real bold. And I guess they, they kind of, like, debate a little bit right there in front of the whole class. But then a week later, just this last week, just a few days ago, he dresses up with Prop 8 stuff all over his whole body. And he went to school. And he walked around all day like this, just, like, just just letting everyone know that he is... Yes, on aid, and and he got called into the office. He got sat down. And he said, We don't know if you're supposed to be doing this or not, so we're going to check it out, and uh, you might be in big trouble. Sat him down, started looking, 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 looking. Couldn't find anything. Okay, you're, you're freedom of speech. You're allowed to do what you want. You can't discriminate against what you want to do. Just don't cause any problems. And so he goes out, and, he's, and and I was being told that this kid was being cussed at and mocked and laughed at and ridiculed, but he stood firm. And he would talk it over with people and minister to them as best he can and held his cool, wasn't upset about, smile on face. I bet he was laughing inside the whole time because I know this guy. And he went to fifth period that day. And he sat in class there, and yes, there was that teacher, and he didn't have much to say about Proposition 8 that day, but uh, this guy went up to him afterwards and said, so you still uh, know on Prop 8? And uh, he started to, I guess, kind of challenge him a little bit, and then the student just basically said to the teacher, uh, do you believe in God? And uh, And he didn't say anything, he said, do you believe in the Bible? He's like, well, I believe in some parts, but not all of it. And then he proceeded to basically challenge him that I mean, you're going to believe in one thing, you got to believe in it all. You can't just pick and choose what you want. The teacher just said, okay, I'm not going to talk about this anymore, and that was game over. And he went on his way, and he finished the day strong, talking to many people. And he was a fool for Jesus that day. But there's a great respect and honor for the king, that he would go as far to lay down all of his dignity and all of his popularity and all of whoever, whatever he has, his social status, to represent and stand for what is right. And you know when when someone's dad like owns, you know, some big business or something that is ahead of it and the kid really doesn't give a rip, they don't care, it's kind of how we've become as Christians. Our father is the greatest king to ever walk the earth, man. He's the God of the universe. And it's just kind of like, yeah, that's true. Yep, yep. No big deal in my life. It's just that's who he is. No reverence. But if your dad owned, uh, was a CEO of some big company, it's like I walk into your house, like, oh, there's, there's. Yeah, it's just, mm, it's... no big deal. No, that's like, it's, you know, it's guy, you know he like owned, like, he's like a really respected man, right, you know. It's so funny when I uh, when I hang around John Corson, I see the same thing all the time, everywhere. You go to Denny's, you anywhere in the church, you go anywhere in the public eye. It's just like, it's just really cool because you get to spend time with somebody, but sometimes you can lose that. You, you, what I'm trying to say is, is that all of the universe trembles at the feet of God, but God's people don't many times. No respect there. And so, family, how do we get that? How do we come to that place? Something's got to happen in your heart. I'm not sure how you get there. I think you need to pray a prayer. I mean, you need to talk to God. You need to say something like, Father, I am not passionate about you. I'm like that PK, okay? I'm like that kid who doesn't give a rip about his dad being pastor. And I've just kind of accepted uh, the position that you've given me and where I'm at and, hey, I'm saved. You know, I know I'm your child. and um, But there isn't that reverence that all the rest of creation has. I love that, man. I love seeing that. I love seeing, I love thinking about you walking up to meet somebody and you don't know they're a big shot, you don't know they're a big deal. Yeah. I think one of my buddies was telling me he was in the restroom with some, like, huge public speaker speak to thousands. And he didn't know. He had no clue and he kinda like was just I don't know for some reason he started a conversation out of the bathroom and just like patted the guy in the back and like, Alright man, see you later. You know, just like walked out, you know, just like just some random guy. And there lo and behold, he goes to step out on the pulpit in front of like, you know, what ten thousand people and speak and they just I just was in the and I didn't even we got to break past it. Okay, it's a simple word for tonight. But I think when we turn our hearts towards God and we have reverence towards God, and we understand how big of a deal He really is, I mean, it, I could just see us like we're hanging out with the Lord all the time. We don't really know what a big deal that He is. And then if He literally came down, I mean, I just think God, a lot of things are running through my mind. But when we see him, and can you imagine, like we know him, we spend time with him. But when we get to heaven, when we see like the Lord up there, and and, and millions just bowed before him, it's just like, like man, you know, that, that's like my king. That's the one that I talk to. Like he knows my name. Hey, hey, he knows, he knows me. He knows me. He really does. He really, we talk like a lot. You know, like yeah. we got to break past. And when you have that kind of reverence and you tremble. Maybe not literally, but tremble at the voice, at the hint of God. I think that you'll be able to make radical change and do things just as this high school kid did. Stepping out in a
1: radical way. Man,
0: God wants to use this family. And uh, it's not until... It's not until we sense him, and know his heart in that manner, will we be taken to this next level? Are you with me? Do you understand? Um, we're basically going to find out real soon, you know, who won all the states and all this stuff. And um, Yes.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Obama has won. There's no need to tremble. For we tremble only at one. Amen. Ready for round two? <laughs> uh, well. Get ready. Get ready, people. If
0: there is ever a time to tremble in the presence of the Lord, it is now. For hearts to be shaken and stirred, to move and to stand.
1: I guarantee, within the next four years, I guarantee you Things will be taken from you. There's so much that's about to happen. Change is going to (laughs) come. Change is
0: going to come. And um, I'm pretty excited about this, actually. Um, I was thinking to myself... Is basically just stirs up the process and uh, really helps to usher in our king even more quick. And um, I was thinking to myself, this is really going to cause Christians to de- have to stand up for what they believe. And so um, that's what I was thinking. I mean, deeper than my heart, it's like, man, I really, Father, hold back uh, the veil, but at the same time, it's like bring persecution upon among the church, like in China, and uh, your true people will stand up, and you will separate. The ones who are dead serious about their walks with you and and ones who aren't really fast. And so, um, I mean, can you think about already tomorrow at work and at school and all the people that you'll talk to about and uh, they will gloat in your face and mock and laugh and aha and all the above. So just get ready. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. Been, you know, four years you know to eight years that we will not um, be able to have real church anymore you know and that's your children and that's my family and uh, that's reality isn't it right do you know that if uh, proposition eight doesn't pass in California that if um, if someone of the same sex wants to come in and get married in a church and we say no discrimination. And there will be lawsuits against the churches. I'm just not trying to scare, but just trying to open eyes to help you guys understand that this is reality. And, man, we have got to stand That We've got to do something, okay? We're going to pray, of course. And there is nothing to fear. For, again, as I shared tonight, that God takes care of the righteous. Um... But man, we might get to live the book of Acts real quick. And uh, so just get ready, okay? Um, Let's pray. Uh, Father, Lord, it is you and you alone who raise up kings and sit them down. It's you. You're behind all of this. Oh, Lord, you're so good. The Red Sea has already been told, get ready to part. The Egyptians are coming, Lord. Son, it's okay. The Red Sea will part. I've already got it planned out for you. And we know that you do, Father. You have it planned out for our lives as much as we can be so caught up in our own lives, in our own success, in our own vision, and everything that we want to do for the rest of our lives. God, I know that you have a plan for this group in here. A different plan. You have a plan to use us to build your kingdom and to glorify your name. And I ask, Father, that you would start to burn in the hearts of everyone in this room. What a passion. So deep. Lord, we would be radical for you. And that we would take chances and that we would step out for your name's sake. Help us, Father. Lord, um, I know this nation has forsaken you. This nation does not call you God. And we have turned to our sin. But Lord, please spare the righteous. Please spare the ones here in this nation who choose to seek you. Please continue to have your band of blessing upon and to protect And Lord, give us supernatural abilities to be able to proclaim your gospel in a powerful, powerful way in these last days, in these last times. Lord, when will you come? We are waiting for you. When will you come? Lord, we will work as hard as we can to bring as many into the kingdom. We will fight for freedom. We will fight for righteousness. We will fight for justice. And so have your way in this, people, tonight. Lord, if we tremble, we tremble anywhere. We tremble in your presence and your presence alone because you are the God of the universe who looks at an election as nothing. You stand with the galaxies in your hand seeing no big deal. You're in control. And we trust you. We put our lives in your hands. We ask you to have your hand upon us and with us as we leave tonight. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Well, um,
0: I think we have a great opportunity to love people this week. Do we not? Huh. Great opportunity. And so, um, man, let's go like never before never before in our lives and make a stand for Jesus Christ. Proclaim His gospel. Show His works. And let Him be glorified. Show His love. Amen? May God bless you and keep you. And He will. May His face
1: shine upon you. In Jesus' name. Amen.